Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by size where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be as involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Hi guys, welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast. I'd like to apologise first and foremost for being about 48 hours too late. Um, I'm not going to use any excuses, but I'm going to get straight to it actually with a number of different things that I would like to discuss. Um, in the last podcast, I think I discussed um, the AFCONs being better than the Copa America. And it's interesting because both of these tournaments are this summer. Sorry, when I say both of these tournaments, I mean the Euros and Copa America. So it's going to be interesting to see how both the Copa America and the Euros actually compare and contrast with each other. And I guess maybe in hindsight, it should be interesting to have a conversation as to how the AFCONs compared in comparison to those two. Of course, we know the Euros has a massive budget, but I guess within the context of the tournament being better, I guess which tournament has been the most entertaining, you know? Like, I don't know what our expectations are with the Euros, actually. I guess with the Euros, and I think I saw a post maybe earlier this this morning, was the Euros... Someone said I think they prefer the Euros because I think... You know, I don't know. There's this. It feels like there's so much more to do when the tournament is on, and I'm trying to actually make sense of it in in some respect actually because I agreed with it. It's a shame I can't actually find the the post actually. Um, it just feels like a more sociable tournament. I'm not too. Sure. I think that's what I mean. You know, I guess the tournament is held because it's held in Europe. You know, there are more um, um, outside of working hours. We understand that we can actually watch the game and we can be social together on the weekends. And again, obviously after work. So actually, I think I do understand it. Whereas with the World Cup, depending on whether whether the tournament is staged, you know, it might not be as sociable a tournament as the Euros. And maybe that's actually the answer. Whereas with Copa America, that's held at a time where you know, you got to wake up in the middle of the night to watch it, etc., etc. But I guess some of the arguments or things that I've said very recently is that the tournament for me is just not as good as it's just not as good as um the Afcons now, and it has to be said. And I guess continuing with all that being said, like with it not being as good as the Afcons now, this tournament has been arguably the most exciting tournament I've seen in recent years, and I'm going to say that irrespective of the Euros or Copa America or any other tournament. The Champions League has been extremely exciting. And we've had sides like Algeria, um, Ghana, and there, and there are many more sides who have been fancied favourites and, and, and there's been huge expectations of these sides to actually do well in this tournament. And I've just crashed out of the first, the first hurdle in the first round. So it's... It's brought about a lot of a lot of shocks. I know the Cape Verde come into it, Angola come into it, South Africa in some respect. And the reason why I say South Africa, and even actually going to bring Cape Verde back into this, the reason why I say South Africa is because in recent time they beat Ghana. I think it's tw- I know they lost to them in the um, the playoff for the for the World Cup, but they performed very well. And if you ask me, actually, I think they they they, they should have went through. Obviously, I know there's a lot of controversy in regards to that. And as to Nigeria. I understand they beat Nigeria twice within the past um, 18 months or so. So we can't say a side like South Africa brought about a surprise in a tournament. I guess a surprise in, in regards to is the first time they've reached this stage in a long time. But generally speaking, the surprises where we, we think have been a surprise... Oh, sorry. The, the packages we think 
have been a surprise. Actually, these things have been coming. Cape Verde, I believe, have beat um, Ghana very recently. The Comoros have beat Ghana twice recently. It should be of no surprise that Ghana have crashed out the first hurdle. You know, it was um, in dramatic style. You know, how can you be 2-0 up with two minutes to go and then draw 2-2, you know? Um, likewise, the game against Egypt and then the, I guess, the embarrassment of the first game as well. I mean, we got what we what we deserved, you know? We can't... Um, we can't be upset in regards to that. And I think I wrote some notes in regards to Ghana and us losing our status. And I'm beginning to actually jump around what was my itinerary today. But I'm going to get straight to it. Ghana cannot be considered no more a big side in, in Africa. Certainly at this moment in time in regards to our performances. Our performances over the past 5 to 10 years. Where are we? 2024. No, yeah, our performances over the past 5 years minimum have been nothing short of poor. Really, really poor. And I'm not going to harp on about it, but we cannot consider ourselves to be a massive side. Cape Verde have outperformed us. Angola have outperformed us. South Africa have outperformed us. Nigeria, Senegal. Um, the list goes on. Cameroon. We cannot be considered a big side in Africa. We are almost called as minnows, actually, and I'm not going to do that. I think historically we have a, we're a big side, but, you know, if we go into a group with the Comoros, Cape Verde, Angola, I'm not looking at us and thinking, yeah, we're going through. I just don't believe that no more. And... I guess with that, like, um, Chris Hewton has lost his job. And, you know, I think, not that I've been backing him, but I've been um, wanting some consistency or, yeah, some consistency. Yeah, I wanted to um, wanted to be patient because I don't think you can, I don't think you can see progression if you're constantly chopping and changing. And I think there's been a lot of chopping change over the past, say, two years. Rightfully so in some respect, but... I think in this case, I think I think with Chris Hewton having um, um, history in terms of, let's say, developing a side or working in the Premier League, you know he's got good experience to be able to develop a side. Certainly brings some structure together, and that just hasn't happened. And I guess with that, he has lost his job. And, you know, I've said, like, a number of different things or good things in regards to the president of the Ghana NFA in, in, in Kurt Akraku. But a number of different things have fallen down. I guess the, the house of cards are beginning to tumble down, certainly in recent time, with the with the, with the the changes in regards to the talent identification. Um, I forget who um, the... Oh, no. It was the German. Um, Bernard Lippert, I think he recently um, left his post or was sacked. I'm not too sure whether there was any clarification in regards to that. And obviously with Chris Hewton losing his job as well. You know, there are a number of different gaping holes within the, within the GFA. And I guess some of the most important ones, whether it's as to the here and now or as to going forward in the next, say, five to ten years. So what I'm going to do very, very quickly, I'm going to read an article in regards to the applicants for the GFA post. And it's interesting to me because I'm not too sure if there's excitement. In fact, yeah, I think... Let me read it first. So this is from ghanasoccernet.com. Over 600 coaches apply for the vacant Ghana Black Stars post. This is really interesting um, because I'm beginning to look at um, the African sides as an opportunity for... Uh, I don't know if it's a problem really, but it's a stepping stone, an opportunity for people for, let's say, Europe or even other parts of the world to actually, you know, get their, get their foot in um, on the international stage or, in, or into the coaching world, if that makes any sense. So let me read the article. The search for a new coach for the Ghana national team has attracted over 600 applicants from coaches around the world. The position became available after the Ghana Football Association sacked Chris Hewton following the team's disappointment performance at the AFCONS 2023, where they failed to win a single match in the group stage. The GFA has since formed a committee, led by Vice President Murkado, to identify and appoint a suitable candidate for the role. 
The committee is looking for a coach who is a proven winner, aligned with Ghana's football DNA. What that is, I do not know. All right, and possesses a coaching philosophy that resonates with the national team's ethos. Now, these things are really interesting because we've brought these things up before in regards to Ghana's football DNA. That needs to be established and possesses a coaching philosophy that resonates with the national team's ethos. We don't know what that is, and I've not known that for a very, very long time. These things are very important, which is why it was baffling, a little bit confusing as to why Bernard Lippert lost his job or he stepped down, and likewise, in some respect, as to how we have found ourselves with Chris Hutton and that situation. I think those things are important first and foremost. In fact, no, sorry, there was a document that came out, which I read in a recent in a recent, um, a recent um, podcast. But we need to know where we're going. We really do. But let me continue. Among the applicants are several high-profile coaches, including Bayern Munich's coach Felix Magat, former West Ham coach Nikola Juricic, and former Black Stars assistant coach Maxwell Konadu. Other notable applicants include former Bibani Gold Stars, Bibani, um, Gold Stars coach Michael Osi. Okay. And there's a post here, there's a post here from someone saying, wow, over 600 coaches have applied to take the vacant Ghana national team coach. Coaches from Europe, South America, North America, and Africa, and Ghana are vying for the Black Stars coach. The competition is fierce. It's a load of nonsense. That's what it is, if you ask me. It's a farce. The whole thing's a farce. The GFA has set a deadline for interested applicants, which is now passed, and the selection process is currently underway. According to GFA, the incoming coach will have required will be required to have at least 15 years of coaching experience, as well as a strong discipline and tactical skills. The competition for the role is fierce, with coaches from Europe, South America, North America, Africa and Ghana vying for the position. The GFA is expected to announce its decision later this month, and fans are eagerly waiting the appointment of a new coach who can lead the Black Stars success. To success, sorry. Um, I think I'm going to leave it there in regards to the Black Stars anyway, because I don't want to continue with any negativity. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and hope. In fact, I don't know if I'm looking for someone with a name brand who is coming with a lot of experience. I think ideally you do want that. You do want that. I want someone to come in who's going to excite us as to the brand of football they're going to play or excite us in regards to what they want from the GFA. Um, or Sorry, the national team. What they want to do going forward. Um, and with that, I don't know if I want someone who's come from outside of Ghana or someone who has come from Ghana. So that should be interesting. So I guess once that's announced, we can have a conversation in regards to that. Um, I want to continue, and... Ooh, I didn't touch on this. So there's two things... No, 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 no. Back to GFA. Sorry. Now, I didn't do this in order, but I think it's really interesting. So there have been a number of players from this tournament who have come from the diaspora, and I think that has to be something that has that, that needs to be applauded. But at the same time, I think... The GFA and a number of different football associations, particularly the GFA, because I think that has been one of our hurdles, as to taking advantage of some of these loopholes. So Cape Verde, Angola, there are other sides so other sides um too, sorry. So I'm gonna read this little article, a little post I've seen. Roberto Lopez was born in Dublin to a Cape Verdean father and Irish mother. Now Cape Verde, as we know, I mean I've been nothing sort of short of sensational. We've got um oh no, Cape Verde, um the guy from Portugal, um Bebe, who played for Manchester United. They've done nothing but excite us this tournament, not only on the field but off the field as well. If you know, you know. But them, Angola, um, and I'm sure there's one or two other sides as well, have done very, very similar things. You know, sorry, there's a um, Equatorial Guinea, Spanish. 
You know, so this tournament has not only excited us, but I think it should be a learning experience for a number of different people um, in the association, but at the same time outside of it, because I think it's been very educational for um, both those who are football aficionados, but I think it's been very exciting for those who are, who are, who are, let's say, those who are just, you know, people who just get involved when the, when the, when, when, when the tournament takes place, you know, when a tournament swings around every two or four years, a World Cup or a, a continental tournament, you know, and it's, I think it's great to see um, those in the continent, but outside the tournament, the diaspora, so connected with the football. Um, I'm going to move on, but that was an important thing I wanted to discuss, you know, the diaspora and how actually successful that, that ploy that all that method has been over the past say, three, four years. But it's been something for me, Ghana failed to take advantage of. And it, and it goes back to some of the um, articles that I've, I've written before. What would Nigeria do? Um, what would, you know, um, who else? Anyway, what would Nigeria do? What would Brazil do? Et cetera, et cetera. And how can we take our football to another level? Um, Cameroon. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk in Cameroon and then I'm going to finish off with um, Mo Salah. Okay. So, I found it really interesting. I saw, this is not any criticism really of Anana, but I just found it really interesting as to how quickly Anana was back between the sticks for Manchester United. But at the same time, you know, he he failed to turn up to international duty, I guess, on time. And Inso wasn't playing in the first game. And I think was maybe not involved in the second and somehow he might have been involved in the third. I guess I think the point I'm making is he didn't have much involvement in the tournament. And there's much been said or well, much has been said about Anana and his his involvement or his commitment to Cameroon. And I guess I'm trying to in my mind trying to work out whether there's been good commitment to the national teams within this period, considering we now have players who are playing for high profile clubs. I guess that's Something I'm probably not going to come to the conclusion over this podcast, but I think it might be food for thought, you know, as to some of the high-profile players or some players choosing to play for their clubs instead of um, going to play in the AFCONs, you know. And I guess that push and pull is something which um, we constantly talk about. Um, so it's an interesting conversation. But continuing with that, Sam Wertos, he recently submitted his resignation to the Cameroon Football Association, to which it was rejected in some respect, or it wasn't um, accepted, and he continues with his job. And I didn't understand or didn't know that he'd come under a lot of scrutiny um, in recent time um, for the job he has or hasn't done in Cameroon. But I think it's been really interesting to see his passion for the job whilst the whilst the tournament has been taking place with him obviously crying and all that type of stuff. So I'm kind of happy for him in some respect that he continues with his job and hopefully he can... Um, continue with the job that he has been doing. Um, I'm unsure as to how successful he has been in regards to grassroots and things of that nature because I understand they were some of the things he was looking to improve um, within the Cam- within Cameroonian football. So let me just very quickly read this article and then we'll move on to the last subject. Samueto resignation letter rejected by Cameroon Football Association Executive Committee. Former Barcelona striker Sam Weto presented his resignation to the Cameroonian FA Executive Committee in a meeting on Monday and asked them to do the same. They dismissed his request and instead they said they believed in him to continue as president. This was after, um, this was after the Immodable Lions exited the AFCONs um, in the round of 16 following a 2-0 defeat to Nigeria. Eto has been under pressure since becoming Cameroon FA president, with several controversies surfacing during his presidency. 
Full state. Read the full statement um, from the Cameroonian Cameroonian FA Executive Committee below. A meeting of the Executive Committee of the Cameroonian Football Federation was held this Monday, February the fifth, at the Hilton Hotel in Cameroon. The agenda focused on assessing the performance of the men's national team at the Afcons in the Cote d'Ivoire. At the beginning of the meeting, the president of the Cameroon Football Association, Sam Weto, tendered his resignation to the members of the executive body, urging them to do the same with a clear conscience. Following discussions and subsequent deliberation, the members of the executive committee decided to continue with their current mandates. Unanimously, they rejected the resignation of the president of the Football Association, expressing renewed confidence in him to carry on the work of rebuilding and developing Cameroonian football from grassroots to the top, as outlined in his acclaimed project during the elective General Assembly on December the 11th, 2021. That'll be something I'll be looking into, and I think that's really interesting. Um, so congratulations to him in regards to the renewed um, confidence, but at the same time with his project going forward. And now the last thing I wanted to say really was in regards to was in regards to Mo Salah, um, because him very, very similar to Anana, I guess, um, I don't know if they're... I don't know if there. I don't know if his sorry his commitment's been questioned, but I think with his injury, um, there's been deliberation or certainly conversation in regards to whether he should have stayed in the Ivory Coast or whether he should have come back to Liverpool. He came back to Liverpool and ultimately or subsequently, Egypt were knocked out. But my question, I think it was prior to the tournament, does Mo Salah go down as an African great? You know, with with him not winning the Afcons. I think it was a question I posed just before the tournament, but I think with the way the tournament panned out, with him leaving the tournament, I know he was injured, but with him leaving the tournament and there'd be question marks as to he will return if they get back to the final, you know, there's a bit of a like a, an asterisk as to, you know, his there could be an asterisk, sorry, as to his commitment to his national side. I know he's a very proud Egyptian, but, you know, you can understand that there are conversations in regards to that. So where do we lie? So So where do we sit? with Salah being an African great. There's no doubt he's left his mark um, on the European stage as an Egyptian and as an African. But where how where do where do we where do we sit or how do we feel about him being an African great? I'm gonna leave it there. The tournament, I believe for the tournament ends sorry, the end of the tournament for the Afghans, I think is this week. So we'll be back the following week to discuss the tournament in full. Thank you guys, take care and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories and unfold in the coming weeks. As always, you're going to need questionable queries, email us at teamgarnieu at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnieu on IG or Twitter. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.